Welcome to the Hidden Orchard Podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the deeper concepts and the intersection of Jewish wisdom, the New Testament, and science. We will bring you fascinating insights from the ancient and modern sources, all with the goal of improving and getting the most out of life. Visit our website at thehiddenorchard.com to subscribe to our newsletter and get more information like this. Now, today's episode. Many years ago, I recall sitting in Sunday school in the Catholic church I grew up in. We were learning about the parable of the talents. My general takeaway that morning was that we either find a way to use our God-given gifts in our career, or prepare ourselves for a fiery punishment for having failed to do so. This was an unnerving teaching for a kid. I remember the pressure I felt. In my 11-year-old mind, the clock was ticking, and I barely knew what week it was, not to mention what my gifts were, especially those that would be marketable. I'm relieved to tell you that I think there's a deeper meaning to this parable, and in fairness, one that was not apparent to my Sunday school teacher. First, let's unpack a few key elements of this parable from within the rabbinic literature. To alleviate some confusion up front, let's get rid of the word talents and render the word as money or coins. For obvious reasons, talents takes us down a somewhat confusing and distracting path. In the Zohar, there's a discussion based upon the Torah commandment to pay a laborer or a servant his wages the same day that he works for them. In the Peshat, the plain meaning, this is a great model for mercy. It ensures that a person has what they need to survive and take care of their family. However, in the mystical interpretation, the Zohar expands on this idea. As it classically does, it takes this into the realm of the soul. In this version, wages or money represent the soul. Thus, the soul was deposited into the person at birth and will be returned to God when the person passes on to the next life. The essence of this teaching is an encouragement to work hard, doing our job as servants of the Creator. In the Zohar, we read, what Rav Hamnura used to do when a hired man would leave his work, he would give him his wage and say to him, take your soul that was deposited into my hand. Take your deposit. A couple sentences later, it says, for a soul should be deposited only with the Blessed Holy One, as it is written, quoting Psalm 31, into your hand I deposit my spirit. It's worth noting, we see the same psalm quoted in the gospel as Jesus passes away. In Luke 23, we read, then, Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hand I deposit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. A few paragraphs later in the Zohar, we read, Come and see, when a person is about to depart the world and is on his deathbed, three messengers come to him, and he sees there what one cannot see while in this world. That day is a day of supernal judgment when the king seeks his deposit. Happy is the person who returns his deposit to the king just as it was placed within him. If that deposit has been soiled by bodily filth, what will he say to the owner of the deposit? And this is Zohar 388 b So comparing this with the gospel, one could make the argument the gospel writer is using this tradition and actually setting a higher expectation. If these are the words of Jesus this Galilean chassid seems to be teaching that we're expected to bring a return on this deposit, not simply return the soul back in the pure state we found it. Or maybe the argument could be that it's both, because to maintain purity does actually require a lot of work. 
In essence, what we're being taught here is that we're to develop the quality and the purity of the soul, working to reach our potential. Nevertheless, the texts seem to be fishing from the same pool of mystical rabbinic metaphors. So let's put these elements together and read the parable of the talents in its new light. For it is like a man going on a journey who summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five coins, another two, and another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The one who had received five coins went off right away and put his money to work and gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two gained two more. But the one who had received one coin went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money in it. Now I want to pause here a second. It's interesting that the person digs a hole in the ground. The word here in the Greek corresponds to Eretz. Um, physicality, right? If you're reading this at the soul level, he, he buries his soul, right? He buries the soul, the coin, in physicality. That could be a metaphor, possibly one we're reading into it, possibly one the author intended, that a person who lives a life of physicality is not doing what they're supposed to do with what they've been entrusted. Okay, so picking up in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled his accounts with them. The one who had received the five coins came and brought five more, saying, Sir, you entrusted me with five. See, I've gained five more. The master answered, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with two coins came and said, Sir, you entrusted two coins to me. See, I've gained two more. His master answered, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received one coin came forward and said, Sir, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your coin in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master answered, Evil and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I didn't sow and gather where I didn't scatter. Then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take the coin from him and give it to the one who has ten. For the one who has will be given more, and he will have more than enough. But the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless slave into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So go back through this parable and see what kind of insights you can find now that we have the keys unlocked from the Zohar. Let me know what you think. There are some parts of this passage that I think are worth exploring further. Perhaps there's more hiding in plain sight that we haven't covered in this article. And of course, leave your comments at thehiddenorchard.com where you can find this article in writing or find me on Facebook, The Hidden Orchard Project, and leave your comments there. Until next time, have a great week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information like this, again, visit our website, thehiddenorchard.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and look out for other articles posted there throughout the weeks. Reach out to us and let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, have a great week.